The stories of some of the world's greatest women unfold here. I am Annette Palmer, your host, and each week, the untold secrets of success, strength, and boldness of today's powerful women are revealed. Today's woman was born to a black father and a white mother. Both of her parents were well-educated, and they in turn had high expectations for her. She went to college and earned a degree in applied mathematics. But as her career took shape, she felt she didn't quite fit in anywhere. So after a year, she left the career her college degree had prepared her for and decided to pursue the arts. Jazz singing was where things felt right, and she knew her voice and intelligence would lead the way. She joined a band and wrote her own songs. She won awards and became known in the music world for helping women choose more for themselves through music. Today, she performs, coaches, and shows women leaders of all colors and ages how to choose more for themselves. It is my pleasure to introduce you to Monique DuBose. Hi, Monique. Thank you for joining me today. Hi, Annette. Thank you so much. I feel so honored to be in this cohort of phenomenal women. Thank you. Well, you've got some great fellow women in this cohort for sure. And we have so much to talk about, yet very little time together. So I'm going to jump right on in. You were born into an interracial family, but as you grew up, you realized society didn't know how to define people like you. Mm -hmm. How did you become okay with being different? Well, It was something that was always on my radar. I was very clear, depending on what circles we were in, I know how to behave with this group of people. I know what to say and what's not okay to say with this group of people. Um, It got to a point where I was compartmentalizing a lot of my experiences and therefore not really being present in them. And I decided probably when I was... Maybe when I first went to college, I realized somebody did not know I was mixed. And that opened up a whole world for me where I realized I was able to show up as me and have people meet me. Interesting. Interesting. Did you feel during that time you had to choose whether you were going to be black or white? When I was in college, I realized, oh, people don't know. And it allowed me to play in whatever arena I wanted. So actually sophomore year in college, I decided I was going to experience and have the most fulfilling black experience at Cal I could have. So I, I chose that and it has made me all the richer for myself. I have no doubt. Now you told me during our conversation that your father was appalled that in his view, you were throwing away your mathematical skills and the good paying job to pursue jazz singing. Now, this took courage on your part to go against his wishes. So how important do you think courage is for women today? Well, courage is paramount, but it takes courage to build confidence. So if we don't have fear in ourselves, then we're not being courageous. I really believe that. What it took for me, though, also was I didn't feel like I had a choice. That was the piece. There was this calling inside me that was very clear. So I really had to get in alignment with that. It didn't feel like I was throwing something away. I had to move towards what was inside me. So that actually helps when you are doing something that is scary because 
that calling is also a beautiful place to like lay your head at night when you're scared and terrified to do the next step. So I want to stay in this for a second, because I know that this calling was a spiritual calling for you. In your family unit, your mother was very spiritual in the religious realm, but I think you told me your father did not lean Mm -hmm. that direction. Was this something that you could explain to them and they would understand, or did they kind of look at you like you had two heads? Yeah, my dad being a black man, uh, one of the first in his family to go on and get a PhD, like go to higher education in that way, you don't throw away a good job. Like having a good, solid, secure job was very smart. And smart here means secure. And I totally understand that. At 22, I was like, dad, I need to be happy. (laughs) And he was like, happiness has nothing to do with it. And I can understand that now. But uh, at the time, I just was, I don't know what he's talking about in that sense, like happiness. I don't, I didn't see how he could miss that important piece. Um, So they have come along on the journey. My mom has always been my number one fan. When I was singing in coffee shops, she was the lady who would show up every week, week after week and give the band the biggest tip. She was that support. And my dad later on said, I don't understand what you do or how you do it but I trust you. And that was such a powerful message to receive from him. Oh, yeah, that's huge, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Mm, yeah, because that's basically saying he's proud of you no matter what you choose to do. No matter what I choose. Yeah, and actually, you're choosing a path that I didn't choose, and yet you're still standing. So you've opened up more possibility for me to see, you know, and that I think was a real gift to my dad as well. Yeah, absolutely. And did you have a good relationship with both your parents now? I do. Yeah. Yeah. I'm about uh, 10 miles away from them right now. And I see them quite often. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. Now, throughout your journey, insecurity was something that you struggled with. And my question to you, Monique, is how did you keep reaching towards your dreams in spite of insecurity? Because many times it can bury you. And it has. It has stopped me multiple times. But that goes back to that peace inside. There is this purpose, this um, intellecty. That's the word that comes like an acorn is always meant to be an oak. I feel like there is some intellecty inside of me that needs to blossom no matter what. That is what it will become. So I am deeply insecure. I'm one of those people who's deeply insecure and yet a huge risk taker. So I pivot between those two fields and those two vibrations But there is always that wisdom inside that is asking me to keep moving forward. When I'm in the bed with covers over my head, I have that moment. And then the next moment is this desire or this inkling of like, what do I need to do next? It it never leaves me. So I've learned to live with being a risk taker and deeply insecure. It's just they are part of who I am. And I suspect a lot of women listening can relate to that because often when women have these big ideas and these uh, these nudges, they step out, but they are scared to death. Scared to death. (laughs) I had one one of the guests talk about how she has some really big dreams that she's pursuing and she's meeting a lot of those big dreams. And I heard her speak one time talking about that she had diarrhea all the time. And she learned to do it with diarrhea. It's <laughs> like, oh, okay. So <laughs> that is exactly it. It's like 
you, you bring it in, you know, it's not leaving you. So how can we manage this or how can we use this, that next level? How can I use this insecurity to help propel me forward? And what I've found is that's a big part of my work, really helping women to own all the parts of themselves. So yes, insecurity is a part of us. And if we try to deny and push it away, we're really just putting our attention and our focus on that more. So what we put our attention on grows. So it's like, if we can welcome it in and say, yep, you're part of this team too. I appreciate you. I see you. You're not in the driver's seat. And I acknowledge that you're here, whether you're in the form of diarrhea, whether you're in the form of, you know, overeating, which has happened. That's my comfort sometimes where I've just, I've eaten. So yeah, it's got to include. Yeah. All those things. Yeah. So, you know, when I have that insecurity creep in, I have got to the point and it's taken many years. I've gotten to the point where I will find myself saying, oh, there you are. Exactly. Hello there, my friend. You can't (laughs) drive today, but you're okay. You can sit in the back seat. (laughs) Yes, Yes, that's exactly right. So that's how I keep moving. So you chose to have children. As a mother, there was a point you started to resent your husband. Mm. Tell me about this. Yeah, I was very clear that uh, when I had my children, I wanted to be home with them. I was fortunate enough to have a partner who could manage our finances so that I could take on that role. And then we got to about where my younger one was maybe entering preschool. And it was that first moment where I realized and actually it happened before preschool, but there were there was an inkling and a desire and an uneasiness inside me like, oh, I'm ready to do more, something different. And I was watching my husband continue to like gain accolades and you know continue to grow in his business. And I felt like I was left at the starting gate. So I think a lot of women have that experience mm-hmm. and it's not for lack of love for your children or your desire to be mother. It's really seeing that everything requires energy and you have a certain amount of energy and there are moments and, 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 and things that you need to prioritize at certain times. So it was in that dance and it was a, a, a tense dance for me at a certain point because I couldn't do everything I wanted to do. And he was a person closest to me that was seemingly doing everything he wanted to do. And I was mad. <laughs> it needed to go somewhere. And at that point, that was where the resentment really showed up. So we've thus worked through it. But yes, it was, I think it's a very normal thing. I really am about normalizing our experiences, the ones that we hide in the shadows, because I think we, we try to hide and then we paralyze ourselves and we waste energy. It's like, no, this is what I'm feeling. This is real. It may not be properly directed at you. And I'm acknowledging I'm having this feeling. That just helps diffuse everything. As opposed to keeping it inside and letting it build up. And then all of a sudden it rolls out and the spouse wonders where that came from. (laughs) And then you get mad at him for that because (laughs) how do you not know that this was in there? (laughs) Oh, yes. Yes. I've seen that. Maybe even experienced it a time or two along my journey. (laughs) So I'm going to stay on this motherhood topic a bit more because you told me there was a period you felt you were a bad mom. Mm-hmm. So what brought on this feeling and how can women today who are mothers get past the same feeling? 
Yeah, I still dance with that sometimes. It's not as harsh a description as bad. I say challenged. I'll go with that sometimes now. Where I just felt like I didn't know how to own that I had desires outside of my children. And I didn't know how to create clear boundaries for myself, with my children, with my husband. And so because of those pieces, I would feel like, oh, I'm not doing it right. Or I'm feeling all of this frustration inside. I've just snapped at my child. I'm a bad person because this is a young person. You know, you have to give everything. So I've really come to this place where I've started having conversations with my children. I mean, I've been doing it for a long time, but I really say I am a human being. I'm, I tell them we're all divine beings having a human experience. And I messed up. I, I, I snapped at you too soon. I, or I over, you know, I jumped in when you really hadn't had a chance to explain what was going on for you um, because I was trying to manage these things. And them being able to see my humanity and me being willing to share my humanity is a far greater gift than pretending or putting certain values on a pedestal that I can't actually like live into consistently. And our society is bad at pushing women in that direction. It is. It really is. Uh, we have all these pieces set up that that's what women are to do. And we are in 2022. And I cannot believe that we are actually still, you know, uh, in this discussion with the Supreme Court about women's right to choose what happens with their bodies, whatever people's stance is, not being able to have that right to decide for yourself. So we're, we still have a long way to go. And women are often fed from the moment we're born. We're conditioned in our society to be certain ways. And it's not appropriate to say it in 2022 because we think we're beyond that, but it still happens. Girls are to be seen, not heard. Girls are to you know make sure that they're supportive of the man or of the boy, or if a boy is out, you know, not out of control, but like wild with crazy ideas and energy. Wow. He's amazing. He's so like creative. And if a, a girl is in that, I've often seen that and not as much in the schools that I've put my kids in, but you know, it's just not looked on as equal in that space. So here we are, <laughs> you know, and to your point, we think that we have made so much progress and I guess that's what drives my work, because if you start to look at some of the data, we really haven't made our, as much progress as we should at all, especially in power positions. We are still yes. portraying women as not capable of leading and not capable of running large companies. And if they are mother, they certainly can't be a businesswoman at the same time. And all those sayings are yeah. floating around. That's why I'm so grateful for what you do. I, I'm excited to see how this continues to blossom. It's and me too. <laughs> we'll both be on the sidelines watching it unfold. <laughs> so people often teach what they need to learn themselves. Has this been the case for you? Absolutely. That is a phrase I, I love to, to use. My husband uses that phrase in his work. Yeah, we teach what we most often need to learn. And for me, it was about acceptance of 
all of myself. And I, I can do it on many different layers, you know, being somebody who came in with a black father and a white mother, like learning what this whole mixed person is and how she relates in the world. Uh, being somebody who is ridiculously adventurous and risk-taking and extremely insecure, learning how to hold space and grow my nervous system so that all of that has a place to live. So that is what I teach. That is what I do. I'm about owning all the parts of yourselves. And so women come into my community, come into my fold because I have a direct visceral experience and I have a deep commitment to that work because it's my work. If people are on this journey, yes or no, I'm still doing this work. So why not share it and yeah, share the nuggets and really hold the space for women to have that experience inside themselves. So in this learning journey of Mm -hmm. what you needed to learn and, and teach yourself, you have had to learn to be in two different worlds meaning in the, the expectation and the presence of the white world, mm-hmm. and then the presence and the expectations of the Black community, which is a very unusual space because so many people that are white say they understand Black, mm-hmm. and people that are Black say they understand white. In reality, neither one of them understand a thing mm-hmm. uh, because they've never walked in those shoes. Mm-hmm. You being in this unique position do you find that gives you a different level of compassion for both groups in this time of racism and unrest? To be clear, like we've always been in a system of racism in this country. Like the founding of the country has been that way. So in this moment in 2022, I do feel like I have I have the I can't say what it's like to be a white person. I cannot say what it's like to be a black person. But I can say I've had visceral, real, and multiple experiences being in worlds where people felt like I was safe, quote unquote, to let their hair down. And so I've been able to really hear what people are saying and receive it through my lens of, oh, yeah, but what you're saying and what you're believing doesn't take into account all of what else I've been able to really glean and be and witness. So it does allow me to have more compassion. And at times it's allowed me to have more frustration because I see there's so much more space for each and every one of us. And I see a lot of truths that a lot of us aren't willing to speak when we're in our quote unquote, safe, similar, homogenous groups. So Yes, it's part of my work in the world. It really is. Sometimes I have big visions of what another piece of my work is. And I I still don't always speak it out loud because I'm like, universe, God, (laughs) whatever. That is too big. (laughs) I know you've had some of those conversations. Oh, yeah, I've had some of those conversations too. (laughs) But Uh, it does include some of that. Yeah. Bringing people together. You ever had that conversation where you accuse the higher being of making a mistake? (laughs) (laughs) Downstairs in my kitchen yelling, it's not me. What do you want me to do? Exactly. Yes. Yes. You do remember that nugget I shared with you, didn't you? Yes. Yes. Exactly. (laughs) So let's talk about aging for a second. Uh, You're a singer and a performer. Have you struggled with this concept of aging? I don't like to admit it. And this is a journey for me as well. And yes, absolutely. (laughs) Uh, 
Yeah, I, I feel like the music industry is really, you know, young person focused. I'm talking teens and early 20s. Like that is what gets a lot of attention and marketing dollars. And I can understand that from a business perspective, sure. And that really just cuts out so much amazing talent. So me as a singer in the world, I feel like I've pushed up against that edge where I felt like, oh, I'm getting older. I'm not as attractive. And I remember being a 20-something-year-old singing overseas and meeting up with other singers who were doing that work as well. I remember there's an older woman. She's probably, as I laugh now, as a 40-something-year-old, she was probably in her 40s. And I remember thinking, wow, I just had a, a visceral like experience of why is she doing this? So we also get kind of brainwashed with it's a youth culture to be an entertainer or that kind of thing in the music industry. So I'm pushing past that just by continuing on in letting my purpose drive what I'm doing. And music is a big part of that to really write medicine music and express and share what I call medicine music, music that really helps heal the soul and helps people open up to places that maybe have been hidden inside themselves. So when it has that as its focus, as opposed to being seen or being successful by you know industry standards, there's no way I can stop this work. I'll be doing this until I take my last breath. And my voice might be a little cracky, but you know, I suspect it'll still be beautiful. (laughs) Let's talk about your voice for a second. You released a song titled The Human Condition, which, Mm -hmm. by the way, any of you listening, it's amazing. So tell our listeners what this song is about and why you wrote it. So Human Condition is a song that really reminds us that the things that we don't want to talk about in our lives or the things we have shame around or the things we're not proud of are equally part of our experience with the things that we want to shout from the mountaintops and have everybody like really witness us in all our glory. Being a human being is an entire spectrum. And I have forgotten that at certain points. And so this song is a wonderful reminder. It's so funny. I remember my sons were having a little fight while I was in the middle of songwriting and everything that happened was what is now in verse one of this song. Like I literally watched my two boys have this experience and I was consoling my older son who was crying in his bedroom after they'd had their blowout. And I, all the lyrics started coming into my brain and I was like, honey, I love you. I'm here for you. And mama has to go to her computer for about three minutes right back. (laughs) And I went and wrote down the first verse and what we have in the first verse of the song is exactly what I wrote in that moment. So, and we sing it in our household all the time. If there's an experience, we'll just break out to, this is part of the human condition. So we do it all the time. And it's a wonderful reminder for them. For sure, for sure. Yeah, so tell our listeners where they can go to listen to this song and also tell them where they can find out about you and some of your music and all the wonderful things you're doing. Sure. So you can find this music on any of the streaming platforms. Um, Spotify, Apple Music are the two that pop into my head right now. And you can learn more about more of the music and who I am at MoniqueDeBoseMusic.com. And you can follow me, of course, on Instagram at 
I am Monique DeBose. There's always great content there, just about inspiring and uplifting and remembering our power as women. Absolutely. As I've been nosing around in some of your things and it's, and definitely do take time, all of you listening to go and check out some of her music. So before we end, are you willing to share that first verse? I would, I would happily share that with you. So pull those lyrics up and let's hear that come out of that beautiful lungs. All right. So it feels insane. You stay in the game. It takes all that you've got. You run away and look to blame. Emotions got you caught. Shout it out, free the beast. Flip your table of feast. You see in red, your world begins to break. You feel the shame, express the pain. Tomorrow, do it again. Oh, I love that. Thank you so much for sharing that beautiful message. Monique, is there anything about your journey to greatness that we haven't covered that you'd like to share with other women? I feel like we've covered quite a bit. And I want to leave with women with the remembering, and you do it so beautifully here with all of the stories you share but remembering that we are all divine beings having a human experience. And when we can make space for all of our humanity inside ourselves, how much more free we will be to do the work we were put on the planet to do, to love the person we're with more, to mother if we're mothers, to mother our children in a more loving way, and to really let ourselves shine. We are phenomenal. That's what I'd love to leave us with. And I think that is a beautiful way to wrap up what's been a beautiful interview. Monique, thank you again for taking time. I know you're a busy woman with all the wonderful things you're doing, plus being a mother to two incredible children. And uh, just really appreciate you giving me your time. Thank you. And Monique is another great example of how women are challenging the norm, making things happen, and demanding their own greatness. So join me next time on the World's Greatest Women Show as another powerful woman's story unfolds. 